eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's a solo pod right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Welcome in. I'm Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher. Joey Wagner out celebrating the nuptials of some good friends out in Colorado this weekend. So one last deep breath for Joey before the Illinois football season begins. But training camp goes on without the great Joey Wagner. He's put out some great content here recently. Hope you're enjoying all of it, all the features, all the breakdowns, analysis that we've had of Illinois football. And we're going to continue that on today's pod because we're now in week three of training camp. These are the dog days, as the players said after Monday's scrimmage. It's getting a little chirpy, uh, and they're ready to play. They're ready to play games. I think we're at the point, right, where we've talked a lot about this team. We're going to continue to talk about them for the next 10, 11 days before the season kicks off. Off, but it's getting to that point where it's like, okay, now we want to see it, right? There's always optimism that abounds uh, this time of year. And you're thinking, this is when everyone starts to get the, the orange colored glasses, even Carp, uh, who, if you know Carp, doesn't always wear the orange colored glasses, but even he this time of year starts to feel that optimism as, as people should. College football is back and there were things to build on last year. There's some exciting things with a new quarterback, a new offense coordinator to get excited about. Uh, but once you turn on the games, that's when you really start to know about this team. But I, I wanted to talk about the latest of everything that we've gathered, everything that we've heard. And, and that's kind of the biggest thing that we have to take is we don't get to see that many practices. We've had one fully open practice. Otherwise we get to basically see these guys stretch, but you get to start to see who are the coaches talking about? Who do they bring up unprovoked? Um, that, that's one thing you learn about doing this business. Who do they bring up unprovoked that they keep talking about? And how do they talk about a certain guy when you ask them about this person? And how do they talk about another guy? You can really gain a lot just by listening to what they have to say, how they say things, their inflection, all of those things, the way they look when they're talking about them and what they say, obviously. So we've learned a lot more about this team despite not being able to see them in action. So Brett Bielema wants to keep scheme, 
uh, as much of the depth chart as possible, though he's let us in uh, on a lot of things about, hey, this freshman's playing well. Hey, you know, this guy is, is, is playing a bigger role maybe than some of you expected. We're starting to learn some of those things. Um, but obviously they want to keep as much hush going into Wyoming as possible. But in this podcast, I want to talk about breakout cans. I want to talk about some sleepers, maybe going under the radar with some fans. Then, of course, everyone wants to talk about the freshmen uh, that could make an impact. I think most of this freshman class is going to redshirt, and I think you're going to see that continue under the Bielema era, which is a good thing uh, for the program for the most part. And then my big remaining questions, the, the things that could hold Illinois back from having as much success as they want. So let's dive into some breakouts. And I think when you're making a list of breakout candidates, uh, certainly there are guys that it's like, oh, man, I, I'm surprised that guy's on your list. I don't think anybody is surprised on this about this first one I'm going to talk about. But before we get into that, breakouts. I, I consider a breakout candidate somebody who's maybe played a role previously, probably someone you have listed as a starter, but someone who could turn into a star. So someone who's played a role in, in pre- past years, but now has the potential to be one of the best players on the team. And I think when we start this list, I think you have to start with a guy that that makes all the sense in the world. You're not going to be surprised when I say his name. It's Seth Coleman, an outside linebacker for Illinois. And the reason he's not a surprise and he's an easy one to pick out is he's already started games for Illinois. The last two years, both as a redshirt freshman and as a double redshirt freshman, uh, he has stolen time from Isaiah Gay. He has gotten into the starting lineup mid-year and replaced Isaiah Gay as a starter. And we know how good of a year Isaiah Gay had last year. Also, Seth Coleman's very talented. Six foot five, 240 pounds, ridiculous athlete, a former four-star prospect uh, who had a lot of Power 5 offers. Uh, but, but 24-7 Sports had him as a four-star top three in a prospect uh, out of you know Florida when he was a prospect. So I don't think anybody's surprised that Seth Coleman could be a star but now it is his time because the opportunity is here. Owen Carney is gone. Isaiah Gay is gone. And remember, Seth Coleman showed enough the last couple years that he replaced Isaiah Gay. And he was productive in a small sample size. But Seth Coleman had an ankle injury last year. And then, as Kevin Kane told us, he got Wally Pipped, right? People that don't know, Wally Pipp was the Yankees starting first baseman, really good hitter, before Lou Gehrig came in. After he got hurt, missed one day, Lou Gehrig came in, and and the rest is history. Lou Gehrig's a Hall of Famer. Wally Pipp gets known uh, for getting benched by Lou Gehrig, right? And he was, he was a good player before that. Uh, but Seth Coleman is a great athlete. He was high impact in a small sample size last year. I think people might not remember, but he had a forced fumble, forced fumble recovery on the same play uh, in one of his starts last year. He's got really long arms. He's longer than, than Isaiah Gay. He's longer than Owen Carney. And he can really get into passing lanes. And Illinois hasn't had that kind of edge presence probably since Bobby Roundtree played. Um, Jihad Ward did a great job. Just because he's so long, they're 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, right? Those guys, they can get into passing lanes and potentially stop a big play from happening at the line of scrimmage. And then he's just got the ability to bend, uh, the ability to have that kind of burst at his size. I think he's going to be the top edge rusher for Illinois. So that's not a big surprise. Um, no one should be surprised I'm saying Seth Coleman there, but I think we have to mention him there. Number two on my list of breakout candidates, Tip Ryman, tight end. And there's a very different story. These two top tight ends at Illinois have a very different story. Luke Ford is a former top 100 prospect, uh, obviously number one prospect in the state of Illinois in 2018. So he commits to Brett Bielema and Barry Loney Jr. at Arkansas. 
decommits, signs with Georgia. Who can blame him? Plays one semester at Georgia, transfers to Illinois. Everyone's expecting Luke Ford to be a top player. Hasn't quite been that on the field. Though last year, he certainly was an important player for them. Really good run blocker. Uh, it wasn't very consistent in the passing game. You could say a lot of the same things about Tip Ryman, who, very different path. He was a walk-on at South Dakota. I remember his workout at the University of Illinois showcase camp. Rod Smith knew him, brought him in, worked him out at defensive end because he was kind of this 6'5", lanky, probably 210. 205 at the time. So you didn't know where to kind of put him, but he looked like a good athlete. Looked like if he added strength, he could be he could be a power five player. Well, over the last three years, he has added that strength. He's now up to six foot five, 260 pounds. He looks like Ivan Drago out there. And he looks like he belongs in the Iowa, Wisconsin, or Penn State side end room, a lot like Luke Ford. And last year, he got a role on the offense. He played 200 snaps was a really good run blocker. PFF gave him a grade of about 74 as a run blocker, which is high level. That is a very good grade for them. And he also showed some flashes in the passing game as a receiver. He had three catches, 43 yards, had that touchdown against Minnesota. He was only targeted five times. I don't know if Tip Ryman's like the best receiver, but the way this staff is talking about him is almost like on par with Luke Ford. And I think Luke Ford could have a very good year and, and potentially be an NFL draft pick next year but an NFL scout came through here recently I talked to him and he he mentioned Tip Ryman unprovoked the staff has mentioned Tip Ryman unprovoked his work ethic uh, his reliability and his size and talent they are very excited about what he can do and that he's going to be a big part of this offense so I kind of mentioned Luke Ford and Tip Ryman now together as a duo um, as a potentially really good pair that maybe has next level potential and you know, Daniel Barker was a big loss for Illinois as a receiver. Never was a great overall player because he wasn't a great blocker. Um, but the way the staff talks about this tight end room, including with Michael Marques potentially as that third option, they don't talk about like they've lost a lot. Um, and, and, you know, the size they have, I think Illinois is really excited about what Tip Ryman can do in this offense. All right, my next breakout candidate. Is it time? Is it finally here? Is the Calvin Avery breakthrough finally here? The way the staff's talking about him, potentially. And it's, it's only a long time coming, right? Calvin Avery, one of the best recruiting gets Lovey Smith got in the class of 2018. Four-star prospect, chose Illinois over TCU, a bunch, of, a bunch of Power 5 offers. But the one thing we've heard about Calvin, and it's kind of weird that we talk about this that much with one player, but it's true because so much, both staffs have brought this up consistently. He's kind of battled the weight. He's 360 pounds, 350. Never kind of just shed all that weight because what what is so good about Calvin as a prospect, he's got this power, but he's also got this this quickness at 320-plus pounds that could make him special. But he was kind of slowed down um, both literally – by the weight, you know, maybe not as fast when, when you're carrying extra poundage, but also he just couldn't play enough reps. The stamina was not there. So that was the biggest issue for Calvin Avery because he played rotational role the last four years of his career, had solid flashes, but just didn't show enough consistency. But he has dropped 30 pounds and now is repping as the starting nose tackle. So can he be the guy between Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton who kind of makes everybody's job easier? Can he take up multiple blockers? Can he be disruptive on the interior and and kind of dominate centers and guards in the Big Ten, which is a pretty strong position in the Big Ten? 
I think the staff has played this one extremely well. In the spring game, it was very notable that Calvin Avery was not repping with the first string defense. It was T-Rod Edwards, the Northwestern redshirt freshman, uh, third year defensive tackle who got the start and Virtus Brown who's rotating. So it was like, oh, is this a motivational ploy or is this Calvin's just not producing? Well, T-Rod Edwards was the starter and Calvin, when I talked to him, mentioned that. They also brought in Rashawn Wilkins. So they didn't just bring in one nose guard transfer. They brought in two. That, that, that's, that's a telltale sign to us and to Calvin especially that, hey, we're not relying on you. So if you want to play, you got to outplay these guys. And the way he responded, losing 30 pounds, seemingly uh, holding on to the nose tackle spot, regaining maybe that first string spot, I think they played that well. And I think Brett Bielema has motivated him well because you know Brett is a straight shooter, uh, especially with his players. And the one thing he told Calvin is, hey, I've coached guys like you in the NFL. They look like you, they play like you, and you might be better than some of them. But the one thing, those guys chose to be NFL players. They put in the work. They were consistent enough to turn into NFL prospects. And I think that motivates Calvin. And the other thing that motivates Calvin is it's natural. This is last year. And he got an extra year, right? The COVID year gave him an extra year. Because if Calvin did not have that extra year, he probably wouldn't have a spot in an NFL training camp with what he, how he's played, right? He's just been a solid rotational player in the Big Ten uh, and hasn't lived up to that four-star rating. And Calvin said, this is it for me. Um, this is his last chance to try and be an NFL player, most likely, and at least get into the NFL and get into a training camp. So if he has a good year, he's got a chance to do that. So the staff is saying he looks good, and the players are certainly pushing him. The players, uh, Calvin told me, said, hey, you need to live with Tank. You need to live with Tank, right, the strength and conditioning coach. And he said, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So I'm just going to work hard. And uh, it seems like he's doing that. So he's still got to prove it on the field. The coaching staff continues to say they're pushing him. But this is as encouraging uh, as a report and encouraging as, as Calvin has looked. Just you, I saw him first practice that he looks a little different. Um, you know, that was that was an issue. You show up every training camp. Does Calvin look different? That nah, kind of looks the same. He's noticeably more svelte. That's relative when you're 320 pounds, but that's what you want. You're six three, six two, 320 pounds, and with his athleticism. He could be a big part of this team, and he's an important part. Nose guard is an important uh, position for Illinois to fill because Roderick Perry was very good last year. This one kind of lines up, this next breakout candidate, with Seth Coleman. I don't even know if you guys think this is a breakout candidate, but Julian Pearl, yeah, he's got 15 starts, so how could he be a breakout, right? He's already broken out and into the starting role. He played pretty well last year, too, right? He came in to relieve Alex Palczewski when Palczewski tore his ACL two years ago, and Pearl got four starts, played the most of five games at right tackle. I thought he did a pretty good job for a guy who hadn't played that much. Last year, started the season at right guard. Palczewski, his knee wasn't right, and he just couldn't really pass pro out at right tackle on an island out there, even though he got some chip help with tight ends. But they moved those guys, switched those guys, flipped them. Palczewski to guard, Pearl to tackle. I thought they played their best football towards the end of the year, right? And it kind of coincided with wins, some really good rushing performances, better pass protection. Brandon Peters played better when those guys were at those spots. So, um, you know, I don't know if you qualified this as as a breakout, but I think he's got another level he can get to. PFF had him as a, a 69 grade last year, nice, which was nice for Illinois. Uh, he played pretty well and was a solid starter. I think he can be a really, really good left tackle. Um, and, and that's a spot that Illinois has to fill, right? Like Isaiah Adams 
was brought in the Juco prospect to potentially play left tackle. They consider keeping Pearl at right and keeping Palczewski at guard. But Palczewski has been so good at right tackle and Pearl has been so good at left tackle that they feel they can keep Adams at guard potentially before moving to tackle. You know, maybe next year's Palczewski moves on. But NFL scouts who have come through, uh, Pearl is one of the first guys they mention because of his length. He's six. I mean, this is a kid who came in at six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds. Started at uh, or began his career at defensive end. Now he's up to to three ten, three fifteen, and he has really filled out. But he's still got ridiculously long arms and really good feet. Uh, so they they think he can be really really good. He's got as high of a ceiling as maybe anybody on this offensive line. So that's why I think he can get to another level where he's potentially a pro prospect. He's potentially a guy who can be in the all big 10 consideration towards the end of the year. So I think Illinois just wants to see him act like it. They, they want to see him, you know, Brett said the only thing holding back Julian Pearl is, is Julian Pearl. So they think if he acts like that, if he's nasty on the field, uh, that he can be maybe as good as anybody they have up front. One more, and this is a position Illinois needs a breakout guy for certain, and that's wide receiver. So I got a breakout candidate, Pat Bryant. I don't know if Barry Lunny's talked about a player quite as a with an emotional tinge as Pat Bryant. That's because they rave about what he brings to the field. That he's just a natural football player, and I think we saw that last year. Bryant, as a true freshman, played significant snaps last season, mostly on running downs which um, I thought was an issue when they always put Miles Scott and Pat Bryan in. It's like 70% of their snaps were rundowns. Uh, but he was a good blocker as a true freshman, six foot three, 190 pounds. And he also flashed as a wide receiver. He only played 56 snaps uh, on passing downs. But he had six catches for 98 yards. And you just saw some flashes of like, hey, that's what it, that's what it looks like when you got a guy who can have a big catch radius, shield off defenders, you know, go point of attack and, and really attack the ball in the air with his hands and, and get a catch on the sideline. Some of those NFL throws where you just see these guys do hitches and they get a first down, right? And then you can have a guy who can go downfield and, and potentially win some contested ball. So that class of 2020 where Lovey Smith was fired and Brett Bielma came in a couple days later after the signing class, there's only four of those 14 guys remain. But Pat Bryant was one of the best prospects they got in that class. And he had several Power 5 offers, had great options, and he decided to come to Illinois despite the coaching change. It was kind of a weird time. You know, he was sold on Illinois, then they fired the head coach. Did he have options to go elsewhere at that moment? He probably could have found somewhere, but he decided to stay at Illinois. And I think he, Isaiah Williams, and Casey Washington are the likely starters. We'll talk about another wide receiver here in my sleepers. But Pat Bryant, I think, is going to be a starter. And I think he's got the potential to be a guy who makes a significant impact both as a blocker and the receiving game. Just a solid overall wide receiver. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's move on to some sleepers, potentially, for Illinois. And I just got a couple of these, but some names I think Illinois fans should consider a, a little bit more going into the season. And I wrote this two weeks ago, and I feel better about it now. But Brian Hightower is is a guy that a lot of people probably forgot about. And the one reason I kept bringing up his name, and you've heard me in the wide receiver discussion with Joey, bring up his name consistently is because Brian Hightower has already showed it to us, right? He's a former four-star prospect. We always know the talent is there. But he showed it on film in 2020 in that pandemic-shortened season. Like, there was Josh Matorbebe, Donnie Navarro, and then it was Brian Hightower was probably the, the best wide receiver next out of that group. But he put it on film. He had, you know, 11 catches, 209 yards, three touchdowns. Not going to blow us away, but I think we all remember some of those flashes. It, it seemed like it was often with Isaiah Williams as the quarterback, but he made big plays. And he was this big physical target that looked like he belonged in a Big Ten field and looked like he had was a former four-star prospect that went to Miami and produced a little bit in his first two years. So I, I just kept believing that, like, hey, we shouldn't just throw this guy to the side. It was a weird year last year. He had an injury in camp, and from what Brian has now told us, that really slowed him down. He never felt the same. So even though last year Tony Peterson told us you know, he was 100% and he was just playing the guys that, that gave him the best chance to win, I don't know if he's protecting Brian there, but it was weird that Brian Hightower didn't play on an offense that needed somebody just like Brian Hightower, six foot three, 215 pounds, athletic, right? That could block, that could go up and win a contested ball. It was like, they need that guy. And then, you know, towards the end of the year, Brett Bielma tells us he wanted to play him against Minnesota, but he didn't travel because Brian Hightower wanted to redshirt. And that was kind of weird. The, the way Brett presented it, and it was like, oh, is he just going to transfer? He came back to Illinois, and, and all we've heard is just he was raving. Um, people rave about his work ethic, but that Brian Hightower just worked. Worked, worked, worked. He came in with Isaiah Williams, Miles Scott at 6 o'clock every morning, and caught 250 balls. And it seems to be paying off. He said he's gotten quicker. He's lost a little bit of weight. Uh, he had a really good spring game, four catches, 80 yards. And that's where I was kind of like, okay, let's not forget about this guy. Again, he put it on film. Against backups, I get it. But we're starting to see, like, that's the kind of wide receiver Illinois needs is somebody that can move the chains. You know, if you get a quarterback that's accurate, that's a guy that maybe isn't going to beat people over the top and burn you but he can win contested balls and he can use his huge catch radius and, and get first downs and move the chains. Uh, Illinois needs somebody who can do that. And, and this isn't a shot at, at Casey Washington, who's been a reliable, good player, but I just think you've seen bigger flashes of bigger play potential out of Brian Hightower. So I think along with Casey Washington, along with Pat Bryant, I'm starting to be more bullish on this wide receiver group. Not saying they're going to be great. I think Isaiah Williams can be great. But with Washington, Bryant, Hightower, I'm starting to think they have enough. There, there's enough talent there. And we'll talk about a, a freshman who can make an impact as well. But, you know, Bryant, Hightower, Casey Washington, Pat Bryant, could they all combine for 50, 60 catches this year for, you know, 700 or 800 yards? I, I don't see why not. I think there's enough talent to be able to do that if you have a good quarterback um, and, and you got a good play caller. And, and we'll see if, if Illinois has those things. But I'm more bullish on those than I was last year as well. 
Another guy I don't think we should forget because he's been out most of training camp, but he should be able to practice later this week is, is T-Rod Edwards. I mentioned he started the spring game at nose tackle. He earned that, according to the staff. He's not as big um, and, and maybe as talented as, as Calvin Avery, Virtus Brown, that's for sure. But they rave about, especially Terrence Jameson, raves about his work ethic. He's a blue-collar guy. Um, his motor is really good. And he's a big dude at, at 6'1", 6'2", 300-plus pounds. But the way they talk about him is I wouldn't be surprised if he's the number two defensive ta- uh, nose guard, nose tackle. I would not be surprised at that. Rashawn Wilkins is certainly working in there. He's had all training camp. Uh, Virtus Brown is still very talented. But it's just the way Terrence Jamison talks about T-Raw is that he trusts him and that he thinks he can be reliable in the middle of that defense. So if Calvin Avery struggles or you know maybe Rashawn Wilkins or, or Virtus Brown aren't, aren't quite as reliable, I think T-Raw Edwards can be an important rotational piece of this defense. Another guy I want to mention, kind of like Brian Hightower, because I feel like last year maybe wasn't as good as some people were th- uh, considering, uh, is Reggie Love at running back. And it's going to be hard for Reggie Love to find carries because Chase Brown is a star in the Big Ten because Josh McCray could be a star in the Big Ten, had one of the best freshman rushing seasons we've seen, and he really did it in about three games. But you're probably going to have an injury at some point, right, at running back. And we were talking about last year at this point. Is Reggie Love the number two back? Is he the number three back? Is Mike Epstein going to be healthy? We weren't even talking about Josh McCray as an impact guy. So I just think at some point if a running back gets hurt, I don't think we should forget Reggie Love, who has a really good overall skill set. I think he's got some quickness and, and some juke ability, uh, but also some size to him. So I just think he's a, he's a solid all-around running back prospect. He was a top 500 prospect out of Trinity Catholic, and he's just dealt with some injuries, and he's finally healthy. Um, so I, Aiden Lawfrey will get into him as a freshman, brings a di- different dynamic to the running back room. But Reggie Love's a veteran, and I just wouldn't be surprised at some point if there's a game or two where he has an impact. And I, I just think he's someone that we shouldn't forget about, kind of like Brian Hightower, because the talent is certainly there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, everyone wants to know which freshman. Which which freshman is, is going to arrive? Which freshman is going to make a big impact? And I think we're at the point of this program, and some of it's a credit to Lovey Smith and his you know, recruiting classes of 2019, in 2018 and the COVID rule more importantly that Illinois isn't going to have to rely on freshmen here but I think Illinois is going to be able to redshirt a lot of this class yet there are still guys who are going to make an impact and one of the fun parts about training camp being able to cover it and see it is that you get freshmen that emerge kind of out of nowhere Mike Dudek being being a big one of those Alex Palczewski starting as a true freshman was a pretty big shock when when he came in here uh, but you know there's always a guy who emerges or two that emerge and you're like oh that, that's kind of a surprise and while we haven't been able to see camp when we did see a full practice one of the biggest things we saw was Matthew Bailey repping with the first string now part of that was because Sidney Brown was sitting out with a, a precautionary thing but 
Matthew Bailey with the first string was a shocker because Matthew Bailey, before he committed to Illinois, was a two-star prospect with only FCS offers. Now he's repping with the second string. This is the fun part, right? This is where recruiting is fun, right? And and he goes from a poor workout in June of 2021 to potentially one injury away from starting for Illinois as a true freshman. Uh, and people around the program are calling him Sid 2.0. And that's a reference to Sidney Brown, who's taken Matthew Bailey under his wing. But they rave about Matthew Bailey's intelligence. He's a hard hitter. He's competitive in, in you know off-season workouts and in, in practice. And he doesn't lack for confidence, which is pretty amazing given that he struggled in his workout when he originally worked out, but Illinois hung in there. Pat Embleton and Pat Ryan, director of high school relations, and Ryan Walters really evaluated him going into his fall year, evaluated him throughout the year. Ryan Walters went and saw him for a workout and said, what are we doing? We need to offer this kid. And credit to Illinois, they did. They signed him, one of the last signees of this class. And he's six foot two. He's longer than Brown, uh, but kind of looks like him in the way that he plays. And he's going to be in the 2D ahead of Prince Green, who had uh, some buzz going into the spring. So Matthew Bailey, one of the fun parts of recruiting where it's like, oh, those guys who go under the radar doesn't mean they're not good. Um, and, and Matthew Bailey certainly looks like he's going to be, at least for the long term, better than what the recruiting rankings said and maybe in the short term makes an impact. This one's unsurprising, but another freshman to watch is Gabe Backus. You know, he was committed to Tulane, and he wasn't a very highly ranked prospect, but it's because he emerged late in the process. Um, and, and to me, when Illinois got him, and they got him over Tennessee, they got him over some others, he to me looked as good of a prospect as Jared Beatty, and I'm really high on, on Jared Beatty for the long term as well. He's just dealt with injuries. But this is a guy that I think top 700 prospects in the country should be four stars. And Gabe Akis to me is a four star caliber prospect. I mean, just look at him. He came in for his visit, and Joey Wagner asked me, Is that a transfer? I said, No, that, that's Gabe Akis. He's six foot three, 260 pounds. He can do a backflip, so he's got athleticism. He's a two time state wrestling champ, so he's got that kind of thing going for him. And he is a football player, especially with offensive linemen, defensive linemen. You love guys that know how to use their hands like that. But more importantly, I think with wrestling is the competitiveness that you have to have to be good at that sport. The nastiness, the toughness you have to have to be great at that sport. It's a two-time state champion at a high division in Florida. So, uh, yeah, I'm high on Gabe Ackerson, and so is this staff. He just needs to learn the game more, but I think he's in the two deep, uh, along with Seth Coleman, Ezekiel Holmes, and Alec Bryant. And Brett Bielema told us the other day that two freshmen on defense who are most likely to make an impact are Matthew Bailey and Gabe Ackes. So let's flip to the offensive side of the ball. Where Illinois, you're not going to count on true freshmen to make an impact on the offensive line, and, and certainly, um, you know, if you are, that that's a, that's a problem just because 18 year old offensive lineman going up against 21 year old, 22 year old defensive lineman in the Big Ten is is not set up for success. So those guys, uh, the five freshmen on the offensive line, should all redshirt. Maybe one Hunter Whitenack or Joey Oakle maybe eventually could get into the two deep, but I don't see any of those guys playing significant snaps this season. But you do need some playmakers. And the only thing holding back, I think Sean Miller from potentially being in the wide receiver rotation, has been a collarbone injury that he had in the spring that slowed him down. But I think we always had Sean Miller pegged as somebody who could make an immediate impact. 
He's a highly ranked prospect. Chose Illinois over several many Power Five offers. Uh, you know, Michigan State was in the mix. West Virginia, Arizona, some good Power Five programs. Um, and he went to IMG Academy and he early enrolled. Those all suggested he can make an early impact. Plus, he's very talented and he's built. He's six foot one, six two, you know, six foot one probably, one hundred and ninety pounds. So he's not as skinny as some of the freshmen Ashton Hollins, Ian Pugh are, uh, and not as small as, as maybe a guy like Hank Beatty, though all those guys have shown encouraging things. And I think if there's an injury at slot, I think Hank Beatty could be in the mix for some significant reps as well. But Sean Miller had the collarbone slow him down, but he's gotten back into practice. He's now full go. And I think, you know, he can be – he was mentioned in the spring along with Pat Bryant as someone that was really impressing the staff – and now with Hightower emerging, maybe there's not as big of a need. Jonah Morris has come in, the seventh-year guy uh, who's at Northern Colorado last year before that at Akron and Indiana. So that may mitigate the need for Sean Miller right away, and maybe Miller needs more practice. Maybe he's more of a guy who's mid-year who can make an impact because the injury slowed him down a little bit. But I do think at some point Sean Miller is talented enough, good enough, and there's a need for Illinois to have wide receivers that Sean Miller can make an impact. I mentioned Aiden Lawfrey earlier. Uh, obviously, Chase Brown and, and Josh McCray are the top two running backs. I do think Reggie Love can be in that mix. Uh, I, I should mention Chase Hayden as a guy who's got experience. But Aiden Lawfrey's just different than all those guys because he's got that greasy, lightning-fast speed at five foot 11, 200 pounds. I think he's got that Jakari Norwood role, potentially, where he can kind of be that speed threat. Um, maybe a guy who can be in a gadget role. He could impact a return game at some point this season, though I think that's Isaiah Williams this year. Maybe down the line it's more Aiden Lawfrey on kick returns and all that. The one thing that has held Aiden Lawfrey back has been soft tissue injuries. He had an injury as a junior in the COVID-shortened year. He had an injury last year as a senior, and he has an injury right now uh, that kept him out. Um, Brett Bielma didn't seem too concerned about, but it was a soft tissue. But it's just something that he's dealt with. So that's my only concern with him. Otherwise, he's got the speed. He's got the size. Uh, the coaching staff raves about his work ethic as well. Kid out of Gibson City. I think he could get some significant reps just uh, you know, 45 minutes south of his hometown in Gibson City there. Another guy who maybe is, is surprising because I thought he might take time to develop. Um, I thought you know a guy like Owen Anderson who came in and early enrolled maybe could potentially make an impact earlier. But Henry Boyer has been one of the talks of, of the staff among the freshmen. He's another fun one because I think Illinois really benefited from the COVID rule. Uh, in recruiting, because I think if he would have gone to to camps, if he would have been able to go to camps, his his um, the spring between his junior and senior seasons, I think he could have blown up. Like Nebraska was really interested in him, Minnesota, like some of these other programs wanted to see him in camp, and I, I think some of them would have offered him. And I'm, I'm sorry, Boyer family, but some of them would have offered him as a left tackle prospect. He's kind of got that David Edwards thing where he's maybe played tight end or, or you know Edwards played quarterback and 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 uh, high school, I believe, but they play different roles, but they could bulk up. Christian DeLauro was one of those guys that Tim Beckman staff offered, even though he played tight end, they offered him as an offensive line prospect because of his size, his, his ability to add weight, plus his athleticism. Boyer's got that. He's built like a Big Ten tight end already at six foot six, two sixty five, and you can easily see him adding forty pounds and becoming left tackle. That's all a positive, right? That's not a negative. They can't play tight end because I do think he's a better athlete than advertised. And Brett Bielma continues to say he's going to play tight end, and I think he's one injury away from potentially playing some significant snaps. He's got competitiveness. Brett Bielma has glowingly talked about, you know, him and Gabe Ackes, which. 
you picking a fight with Gabe Ackes, that's that's that shows you some toughness and competitiveness. But they got into a skirmish because they were battling for reps. They wanted to rep in off-season workouts, and they were trying to steal each other's reps. That's the kind of culture you want, right? Um, so we'll see on his hands. I think he's he's got to prove himself there, but uh, he's already he's built enough to play. So Henry Boyer might not be that far away. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so we covered some of the the things we've learned individually. Here are some of my big questions that remain about Illinois. My, My first one I'm going to talk about, it includes a lot of guys in a lot of positions in this. But do the veterans step up in their new starting roles? And the guys I'm mentioning are guys we've known in the program for a while uh, and have been here for a while but have never played these significant roles. Can they be starters? Can they be solid starters to fill in at some positions where Illinois lost some some big guys? The first one's Alex Pilkstrom at center. Again, former walk-on tight end that now is a starting center for Illinois. Illinois was looking at potentially adding a transfer center via the portal. They decided not to after giving Alex Bushman the chance at center uh, in spring practice, and he had some ups and downs with that. Like, he had some snapping issues at, at points. And the other, the biggest thing, I think, with Alex Pilstrom, talking with him, talking with you know his teammates, his coaches, has been his confidence. Uh, I feel like at some points of his career, especially playing offensive line, the switch there, he's kind of had imposter syndrome of, hey, do I belong here? And the coaching staff has been trying to say, yes, you do. Like Brett Bielma this week has said, you know, all the centers that I've I've coached under me the last four or five have, have been NFL draft picks, a lot of them first, second, or third rounders. And then Doug Kramer is a sixth rounder this year. He said, I don't know where Alex is going to be on that, but I think he's going to have a chance at the NFL. I think it's just if he believes it, if he's confident enough. And that's an important position in the offense to be a leader, to be the vocal leader, to be making the checks and calls and protections, all of that. And it seems like Alex Pelczewski is the alpha male in that room, but that Pilstrom is starting to step up as a leader as well. And they all respect him, but he's still got to prove it, right? Can, can he be the solid center they need for one year? There, that's still a big question that, that I think we can only get answered once the season comes along because he's going to be going up against the behemoths in the Big Ten. I mean, think about playing a Wisconsin nose guard. Uh, that's not easy. You know, Purdue's had some good ones here recently as well. That's a tough position to play, and Illinois needs him to handle that role because yes, Josh Kruitz is behind him, and I guess he's had a good spring spring camp. He's not as big as Alex Pilstrom, certainly not as experienced as Alex Pilstrom. The other one, Kendall Smith. No one's going to replace Kirby Joseph's production. No one's getting five interceptions, probably, right? Kendall Smith has, this is his sixth year of, of college football. And sixth year at Illinois, he entered the transfer portal thinking he needed to go somewhere else to get his opportunity to start. Once Kirby Joseph, it was clear he was staying in the NFL draft, Illinois said, no, Kendall, come, come, come back here. Um, and, you know, Prince Green pushed him. Uh, during spring practice, but it sounds like, especially with Prince Green now at strong safety, it sounds like Kendall Smith has this job on lockdown. Sounds like he's done really well. He's been really good veteran presence. 
he's not quite the athlete. He's not quite as high ceiling as Kirby Joseph, but talking around uh, the the program is that you know Kirby Joseph wasn't as good as going into the season as Kendall Smith has been now. Now, that doesn't mean Kendall Smith's going to be better than Kirby Joseph because Kirby Joseph had one of the best defensive seasons we've seen since Whitney Merciless in an Illinois uniform, right? But he doesn't need to be because you expect Devin Witherspoon to be better. You expect Sidney Brown to build off last year. Quan Martin, they've raved about in this camp. But you just need a good last line of defense at safety. And Kendall's long. He's a pretty good athlete. Maybe not as quick twitch. Maybe not as fluid as, as Kirby Joseph. But um, he's still a really good long athlete in the back end. Somebody who knows this defense extremely well. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what he does. Keontae Curry's an interesting athlete behind him. A redshirt freshman who could be interesting at some point if Kendall struggles. But they seem to have confidence in, in Kendall Smith. The other one's Ezekiel Holmes. Uh, I think Kevin Kane called him the old sage of the outside linebacker room. This is his fifth season. He's a good-looking prospect. He's a good-looking player at six foot five, really long, ripped up, right? Um, maybe not as as fluid of an athlete, as explosive an athlete as Seth Coleman, but a good athlete. Played basketball when he was in high school. Kind of a late emerging prospect in that class. He had an offer from Michigan State at the time. But we just haven't seen a lot of him, right? And and I think the hope is that he's a solid starter. But you have guys pushing him, right? Alec, Alec Bryant's a former four-star prospect. Gabe Ackes, the staff is really excited about. Can Ezekiel Holmes be that solid starter they need? Um, or is he a guy that can be replaced five or six games into the season or a couple games into the season? Uh, those guys are really important to this team, right? That if they can fill those roles – just as solid starters that could go a long way to helping this team and helping the depth of this team because you think of Ezekiel Holmes he's replacing Owen Carney I don't think you're expecting an Owen Carney year but if Seth Coleman is as good if, if Calvin Avery's better um and, you know Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton take a big step forward you just need a solid piece there right Kendall Smith if everyone else steps up he can be really good like Alex Pilstrom can he just kind of be that guy who doesn't let the dam break right and helps you know, if, if Julian Pearl and Alex Pacheski take steps forward and Zy Chrysler and Isaiah Adams are, are good starters, as Illinois seems to expect, if Jordan Slaughter can get in the mix. Or is Pilstrom somebody that maybe a couple games in is struggling and you got to think, how else can we move these guys around to where we have a solid offensive line? Or can Pilstrom be one of the key cogs that helps this offensive line not take a step back and potentially be as good or even better than last year? Of course, the big question, quarterback and play caller. I would expect Barry Loney will be better than Tony Peterson. I expect this to be more creative. The up-tempo thing we've talked ad nauseum about. I just expect this to be a more modern take on what Brett Bielma wants to do. I expect the quarterback to move around a little bit more. I expect the ball to get out more. I expect the defense to be on their heels a little bit more. It doesn't mean it's going to be clean all the time, and it doesn't mean it's going to be a great offense, but I expect it to be a better offense. But a key for that is for the quarterback to be better. And I like Tommy DeVito's overall skill set better than Brandon Peters. I think he moves better. I think he's, I think he's got as strong of an arm. Maybe not. You know, I don't have the RPMs behind it, but it's a strong enough arm, right? The one thing I love about Tommy DeVito is his unshaken confidence, the swagger. I think that matters so much at this position. Accuracy matters. Talent matters. All those things. But you have to be an unshaken leader. And when Illinois' offense was really in a funk, it was 
I'm not trying to take a shot at Brandon because everybody's different, right? Your personality is different. Brandon knew ball, and Brandon had some really good games for Illinois, but it just felt like it was hard for him to get Illinois out of that funk. I feel like Tommy DeVito has the mindset to do it. I do think Tommy DeVito could put the ball in harm's way a little bit more than Brandon Peters, uh, and I think Brett Bielma has been trying to teach him that about how they want to play. But at some point, I do think you need a guy who's willing to 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 take those risks. The guy who's willing to stand in the huddle and, and be the alpha male and will his team to a big first down or a big touchdown or a big drive. And I, I think Tommy DeVito has that in him. Now we got to see it. And we got to see it with this play caller. I'm, I'm more bullish on those two things than I was at this time last year about the quarterback and the play caller. But again, we got to see it. Depth. It's always an issue for, for Illinois football. That, that's a recruiting thing. And that's why development is so important. And some of the pieces that we're going to talk about for depth are unproven pieces, um, but that this staff seems to be betting on, right? Isaac D'Arcangelo is the, is the main backup linebacker. I think we're confident Calvin Hart Jr. and Tariq Barnes are Big Ten quality linebackers that can be really good. Uh, Tariq Barnes had a fantastic year last year. C.J. Hart had a fantastic three quarters. Talked all about that in our linebacker preview. But if one of those guys get hurt, gets hurt, is Dark Angelo the Big Ten quality linebacker that this staff is talking about him like, right? You're in a scholarship last year. He told me he wasn't on scholarship yet this year, but it seems like he would be if they're talking about him as a starting linebacker quality. Like, he's their third starting linebacker. Uh, they usually only play two at a time, by the way. Um, but if he could be that, that's huge for depth because they needed depth last year when Kalon Tolson and Tariq Barnes stepped into starting roles when Hart and Hanson got hurt. Whoever's behind Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, what if one of those guys gets hurt? Is Jamal Woods, can he stay healthy enough is the main question for him, but can he be productive? Uh, Virtus Brown and Rashawn Wilkins have been practicing at nose guard, so I think nose guard, you actually feel good about depth. You're, you're just wondering if you got the starter there. But Bryce Barnes is a guy they're talking about is is starter quality potentially, a guy who's competing for a starting spot. He's not going to beat out Randolph or Newton. But if one of those guys gets hurt, can you compete in the Big Ten? Right? That that's what your that's where the depth comes in. Like, well, Wisconsin might have a guy who could start for most teams in the Big Ten as their third or fourth guy. Illinois, do they have that starter caliber guy? Like, that's where they got to continue to recruit, continue to develop, and they seem confident in guys like Barnes and Dark Angelo, Jordan Slaughter. Now, if they have an injury on the offensive line, can Jordan Slaughter come in? Guy who I think would have started games last year, can he come in and be solid for them? I'm, I'm I think he could. Cornerback, Terrell Jennings, stepping up from FCS level. Uh, Division II level last year, but he played at the FCS level for a little bit. Can he be a starter? They're raving about his intelligence. Can he play if Devin Witherspoon gets hurt or Taz Nicholson isn't as good uh, or he gets hurt? Uh, Again, at safety, if Sidney Brown gets hurt, can Matthew Bailey be a starter? Uh, You know, in the Big Ten, what's that look like? Does Quan Martin have to move positions? So that, that's where that's where you get concerned. Is if you have a rash of injuries, if, if Illinois is lucky with injuries, I, I think this team's a bowl team. If they have normal amount of injuries, and you're plugging guys in, that's where Illinois starts to struggle. Is when you get to that second string. Now Illinois was able to handle that at linebacker last year, and that was huge for them. I think they can handle injuries at running back. I think they can handle a week or two without Tommy DeVito. I think Art Sikowski can can handle it. Uh, I think at tight end you can handle an injury. I think one injury at offensive line. 
But some of these key positions, you just don't have the depth of talent yet. And I think that's uh, that's a concern, as it usually is for Illinois. And my other one is special teams. Sounds like Caleb Griffin's having a really good fall camp. Sounds like Hugh Robertson's having a really good fall camp. I don't know if that's all relative to their competition at this point, but it sounds like those are the two guys. Not that it's surprising. Caleb Griffin in his fifth year, he's been stuck behind Chase McLaughlin and James McCourt. He's It's his time. And, you know, he was productive in his uh, two games that McLaughlin was out with uh, COVID contact tracing two years ago. And Robertson's only punted once. I don't expect him to be Blake Hayes. But those guys are unknowns, right? Hugh Robertson's a new holder as well. You got a new long snapper, likely Aiden Hall, who's, who's been waiting in the wings with Ethan Tabell. And those guys just have to prove it. You know, when the lights are on, the crowds are there, how do they perform? Seems like both those guys are pretty mentally strong. It's just they haven't been put in those situations quite yet. And I think Caleb Griffin, I mentioned this in the special teams podcast, I think he's been more accurate inside 40 than James McCourt was before last year. Uh, it's the distance. Can he can he kick 50-plus yard field goals? That McCourt was a ridiculous weapon when it came to that. And the other thing is the return game. Sean Snyder has said he wants to be, he sides on being really aggressive. Brett Bielma was very unaggressive last year in the return game. He had Donnie Navarro back there, and Donnie uh, is a great hands, great competitor. He's not all that fast, right? So he just wanted him to catch the ball, fair catch it. Uh, he barely returned any kicks last year. I think it was three. He had 16 punt returns last year. It sounds like Sean Snyder would like to be more aggressive there, and I think for an offense that has struggled, it could be very important to pick up seven yards on a punt return. It could be very important – uh, to pick up a couple extra yards on a kick return. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how Sean Snyder impacts that part of the game. But special teams for the first time in a while for Illinois, especially the, the specialists in kicker and punter, are unknowns. So what does that all head up to? I'm still debating what, what my what my season prediction will be. I think I would take the over of four and a half. But the concerns are still there. But there is reasons for optimism. I mean, what Ryan Walter showed on defense certainly, uh, I think, is pretty repeatable given some talent that you bring back. You know, some of the guys who are playing this year might actually have a little bit more natural talent than some of the guys last year. Uh, and I just think he's he's really, really good at his job. And then Barry Lunny, I mean, Tony Peterson, everyone's excited about a new offense coordinator. You heard some of those things last year. But the way they talk about Barry Lunny is different. And just the way the players talk about Tommy DeVito and some of the swagger, I, I just think it might be some more mistakes. Um, can he have a, a lot of turnovers? I think that's something they're working on with him. But there's reasons for optimism there, as there always are. There always is reasons for optimism at this time of year. That's why I'm just looking forward to actually seeing a game against Wyoming, who lost a lot of talent to the transfer portal, but against a really good coach and Craig Bull, that if you make mistakes against them, it could end up being a game. And and that's the interesting part about the inexperience on this team is, you know, that inexperience usually leads to mistakes, but you do have many older guys on this team as well. So it's just an interesting, interesting year. And then the dynamic of Indiana with new coordinators, you know, their week one game, your second game of the year, 
It's going to be a fascinating dynamic. We're going to get to know a lot about this team in just a couple weeks. We're just about 10, 11 days from actually seeing this team on the field. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. We appreciate you guys. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that. And check us out, as always, on our YouTube page. We're putting about a bunch of interviews with the freshmen. We tried to talk to as many as possible during media day. You get to know their personalities a little bit, a little bit about their stories. And they're just quick hitters. Uh, two minutes, uh, three minutes, four minutes most with these freshmen. But it's good to get to know some of those guys that are coming into the program. Uh, get to know them as people and get to see some of their faces uh, before they put the helmet it's on this fall. So go check that out on our YouTube page. Just search Illini Inquire. All right, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquire podcast.